0: Also, um, the hat is staying on today, Um, not because I'm trying to be um, stylish or I'm trying to create weird shadows for the live stream, but I I got in a fight this week with my dermatologist, and and she won. And Jessica's so cute. Jessica's all defensive and angry for me right now. She feels like they burned way too much on my vulnerable little head, so the hat's going to stay close today. But um, if you would open up your Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, there'll be two giant Bibles on the screens beside me, but open your Bibles to two places. Let's go to Job chapter 26 and then John chapter 1. And today we're going to continue our down and out series that we've been doing. When God comes down, it always triggers an outward movement, when God comes down and touches a human life, it automatically compels a person to go out to serve or reach or rescue someone else. And in this down and out series, and I think today is the sixth installment, I want to talk to you specifically about the God of the gaps, the God of the gaps in Job chapter 26, verse 7, it says that God spreads out northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. It just hangs there in outer space. He wraps up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under their weight. It's amazing. He covers the face of the full moon, spreading his clouds over it. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake aghast at his rebuke. By his power, he churned up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab to pieces. And when you read the Old Testament, Rahab is sometimes a term for a sea serpent, and sometimes it's for the ancient nation of Egypt that oppressed Israel. By his breath, the skies became fair, his hand pierced the gliding serpent, and these are but the outer fringe of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him! Who then can understand the thunder of his power? And then over in John chapter 1, in verse 35, it says, "...the next day John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples." And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus, turning around. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he replied, come and you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. And Philip said, come and see. The the term, the God of the gaps. Remember, that's the theme of this installment today. The, The term, the God of the gaps, shows up in criticisms of Christianity when Christians, specifically in the field of science, Try to attribute everything that's unexplainable or unknowable to God. And this used to happen a lot in ancient history when our understanding of science was very rudimentary. Lightning strikes a field and sets a forest on fire. And since we don't understand weather patterns and static electricity, we assume that Zeus is ticked off. And he must be in a bad mood and he just hurled the lightning bolt down to earth. Or it hasn't rained in months. And we don't understand the seasons and the cycles and what's going on. So we think the gods must be angry. So we have to come up with a means of bringing sacrifices and vows to appease the gods to hopefully get it to rain. Uh, Or we don't understand yet the whole dynamic and interplay of the gravitational pull of the planets that hold our solar system in place. So we conclude that God must be literally holding up the earth in the palm of his hand. Now, these are are more ancient um, dynamics, but it still happens. Sometimes we see a discrepancy in the fossil record. And when we see this discrepancy, scientists who are also people of faith, say, God, that must be God, that's our evidence of God, and maybe it is our evidence of God, or maybe there's just a natural process that we don't understand yet, so the God of the gaps gets squished into and accredited with everything that we don't understand yet, and on the one hand, that's okay, because we are finite beings, and we will never fully understand all of the mysteries of this universe. This is a complicated universe. You are a complicated person. Did you know that? You live with very complicated people. And, and, and of course a universe that's this immense and complex and amazing, of course it doesn't come from nothing. This world doesn't come from nothing. There has to be something immense and intelligent behind it. So on the one hand, that makes sense. But on the other hand, if if we try to to make God the answer for everything that we don't understand, the the problem is, is that we start to lose credibility. Because when science comes along and says, no, 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 it's not God, it's called physics. Then all of a sudden, our need for God seems to diminish a little bit. And this God that we squished into the gaps isn't really needed as much. And sometimes we Christians do this. Sometimes we're, we're like that kid in children's church when the Sunday school teacher says, what has four legs is furry, climbs trees, and eats nuts. And the little boy raised his hand, and he goes, you know, I'm pretty sure it's a squirrel, but I'm going to go ahead and go with Jesus. <laughs> we, 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 we do that sometimes. We, we, we want to make everything God. We want to make Him the answer. And listen, Christianity and science are not in opposition to each other. They're not in opposition to each other. Um, I think it might be a lot simpler And it might make things a lot easier for us if we just said, listen, only an infinite intelligence, God, could set all of this in motion. So science, go do your job and keep explaining to us some of the ways that God does this and sets these things in motion. Every major civilization in world history, every single one in recorded world history, has had some form of a belief in God and the afterlife. Um, Humans collectively, not always individually, of course, humans collectively have always known that there is a God. The ancient Egyptians had gods. The Greeks had gods. The Romans had gods. Every civilization, civilization has had some belief in a God or an afterlife, when Genesis was written, by the time Genesis was written, there were already other creation stories floating around the world. There were other ideas of how the gods were battling against chaos, and somehow in this epic cosmic battle, the earth and the planets were created. Everyone was trying to explain the gaps. But then Judaism and then Christianity came along, And they they said, hold on a second, we're not just trying to fill the gaps. Judaism and then Christianity claimed that the God of the gaps had made himself known. And by the way, that's not a crazy idea. If there is a supreme intelligence, if there is a God who has set this in motion, it's not a crazy thought to think that that creator might want to make himself known to his creation. So Judaism said that God chose Abraham. And from Abraham, he created a family and then a nation through whom God would be revealed to the world. Moses told us that this God was righteous and just and holy and had to be approached in a certain way. The prophets predicted the, the, the coming of a Messiah from God that would set the world right. Uh, and then... Uh, Back in our text, when Jesus appeared and passed by John the Baptist in John chapter 1, John freaked out and said, he's here. This is what we have been waiting for. Wrapped up in this person is the culmination of the ongoing, unfolding revelation of God making himself known to the world. This is the God behind the gaps. Here's how the Apostle Paul said it in Colossians 2 9. Paul said, In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. The writers of Hebrews said that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. God is Christ like. Christ is the exact representation of God. In Colossians 1.17, it says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So according to the Scriptures, Jesus is the God that we are looking for inside the gaps of our lives. Have you ever looked at our world? And have you ever noticed with me that we seem to know more about life than ever. But, but we know less about how to live life than ever. We know more about the mysteries of the universe than any other people on the planet. Science has shrunk so many gaps for us. And yet we have not done that good of a job with the gaps in our own soul and in our relationships and in our, 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 our lives, despite all of our intelligence today, nations are still on the brink of war. Despite all of our pleas for solidarity and love, humans still traffic and kill each other. I mean, d- despite all of the promises of, of connection that social media makes, and, and despite the good that social media can do, uh, it also creates some gaps did you guys watch the Olympics? No? Are we the only two people on the, the entire world that watched the Olympics? Um, well, let me tell you about the Olympics. Um, Jessica and I were so excited to watch Michaela Schifrin in alpine skiing. Michaela was uh, favored to win multiple gold medals. She's a two-time Olympic champion. She crashed in three of her four races, and then her fourth race was a team event, and she came in fourth place. But, but she crashed... And imagine that she's racing downhill at crazy speeds on an icy mountain, and she crashed. People ripped her to shreds on social media. I actually want to read you a few of the things that were said about her, and the the, the, the list went on and on. These are a few of the things that people said about Michaela after she crashed in the Olympics. They called her choker, can't handle the pressure, loseritis, time is over, you need to retire, and that was misspelled, Uh, (laughs) arrogant, narcissist, fake, nice, got what you deserved, dumb blonde. (laughs) Somebody called her a dumb blonde for crashing in the Olympics. And listen, I know that this is extreme online trolling. I, I get that. But that happens any time someone tries to do or post or say anything of significance in our world today. You can't take a stand for anything on any side of any political aisle without gaps, and and not just disagreements, not just I love you, but I I deeply disagree with you. No, I mean fractures, ruptures. There's gaps in our humanity today. You know, uh, th- th- there's a lot of gaps. We-, 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 we chase money sometimes, only to find that A, money's hard to hold on to, and B, th- that hole in my heart actually isn't shaped like a dollar bill after all, <laughs> that there are other things I actually need more than money. I- I'm so lonely, so I hook up with as many people as I can because that's the narrative that we're given in Hollywood and entertainment, but then I find that the loneliness isn't cured by that. I'm craving something else. Or sometimes we crave good things. We pursue good things like healthy relationships or ethical business ventures, but then there's tragedy, and we lose those things. And all of a sudden, I'm staring into a different kind of gap. And and let me mention another kind of human gap that I think is very fascinating. You've heard of phantom pain. Phantom pain, of course, is the pain that a person feels when they lose a limb and they feel the memory of the limb, and the memory of the pain, even though the limb is no longer there. There was a, a young man in our uh, student ministry in Colorado Springs that lost a leg to cancer. In fact, he lost it right up at the hip, suffered from severe phantom pain. But we, we were having a church picnic one day, and we got into this intense soccer match. And this young man asked if he could play, and he wanted to play goalkeeper because he thought that requires less movement. So he planted himself in the middle of the goal, so he's got two crutches and one leg. He's going to use the crutches to try and block. And I was playing, and I'll never forget, I, our, our, our youth pastor, who was on the opposite team from this young man, broke free with the ball. He, he was about from me to Joe away, and he drilled the ball. Like, str- full force kick right on goal. Kicked this young kid right in the face. So he's standing there with one leg, and he's got his crutches. The, the, the entire soccer field went totally silent. I was right there. His head snapped back. His whole body rocked back. He came forward, and then he shouted, Blocked it! <laughs> but but, but he, he dealt with amazing and terrible phantom pains. You know, phantom pain only exists if there was a limb there formerly nobody ever has phantom pain for something that was never actually there and sometimes we lose limbs we lose things that were amazing to us in life sometimes we face losses and even though it's no longer there the memory of it is 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 crushing the pain is crushing you you know what else is really interesting to me though is that sometimes i notice we humans ache for things that we've never actually had You know, we ache for world peace, but our world has never known world peace. People ache for security, but we have never actually known absolute security in this life. We ache for a kind of love that we often have never actually touched. It's almost like we had something as humans, or we know something in our soul as humans that we were made for, And we grieve the loss of something we've never actually touched. There are some people, like C.S. Lewis, there are some thinkers who think that 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 phantom pain actually is an evidence of God in the human soul. You've heard the famous C.S. Lewis quote. He said, if I find in myself longings that this world cannot satisfy, the only logical conclusion is that I must be from another world. If I have this phantom pain of something I've never known, it must be there's something else. There's something behind the gaps. And listen, we need a different kind of the God of the gaps. We don't need a God to be the mysterious catch-all answer for everything that we don't understand in nature. I believe in that God. But what we really need is a God that is able to fill the gaps in our humanity. We need a God who can be here and there and everywhere in between. There are ever-widening gaps in the soul of human beings today, and we need a God that's sufficient to fill those gaps. Uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, um, He said something so amazing in John fourteen fifteen. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the Spirit of truth. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he says, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you. Catch this. He lives with you, but he will be in you. God has an ability to actually be inside the very gaps of our lives. So so here's the message today. The reason this monologue is being stuck inside our Down and Out series is, is because the people in our 210 corridor, the people in your sphere of influence, your one, your measure, your eight to 15, these people that you work with and that you love, they are walking around with gaps in their soul. And when God comes down, and breaks your heart, and changes your heart, and inspires your heart. There's a moment when when we're compelled to reach people. But you know what's so funny? At least this is true for me. I don't know why. I don't know why this is the case. Faith is so important to me. My faith is the most central part of who I am. But you know what? Sometimes it's easier for me to tell people, about the Heights restaurant in Upland (laughs) than my faith in God. And we love the Heights. In fact, you should go. (laughs) For us, it's, it's like the old Cheers sitcom. We were there recently. One of the servers hugged Jessica as soon as we walked inside the restaurant. It's great. We love it. And I'm not afraid to tell you that we love it. And I don't think that you're going to reject me for loving the Heights. I'm not afraid to tell you that we love watching the all-or-nothing soccer documentaries. We binge every new season when it comes out. But, but, but why, if, if this is so important, why, if there are literal gaps, I mean, the figurative, but, but, but actual gaps in people's hearts, why, if it's so important, is, is it easier to talk about a restaurant or a TV series than for me to say that prayer is getting more exciting than ever, and it is. Or the Bible is more alive every year that I read it, and it is. I think if we really are going to move out in response to the downward work of God in our lives, we've got to get over a few things. I think there's a few reasons that we don't like talking to people about this. First of all, we don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be a pushy Christian. Pushy Christians are annoying. I don't want people to like, cringe or t- t- stiffen up when I walk in the room. I don't want to shove my religion on people. Um, and, but you know, number two, we're, we're afraid of being rejected. Religion is very personal. I don't want to put my heart on the table and have you stomp on it. I don't want to share my heart and what's most important to me and have somebody dismiss it. Or, or, or number three, I think we, we don't want to mess up the conversation if this is important enough, I don't want to botch my explanation. I, I, don't, I, don't, want to, I don't want to risk um, getting it wrong or have you ask, ask a question that I can't answer or offer criticism that I can't defend. So, so here's a suggestion, and let me, let me land the plane on this thought. When God comes down and when you feel compelled to go out, you don't have to have a perfectly polished sermon. You don't have to be able to give an intellectual defense for every gap in science or the human soul. Um, I think think you start by looking for the gaps in the human heart. And when you see them, I think your approach is exactly what it was with Philip and Nathanael back in our text in John chapter 1. So let me end reading this one more time. John 1 45, Philip found Nathanael. And he said, we found the one that Moses wrote about in the law. We found the one that the prophets have been telling us about. It's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then it's interesting here because Nathanael raises a criticism and a question that became a recurring criticism all through Jesus' ministry. He said, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? You know, the Pharisees, the strictest opponents of Jesus used that exact same argument, So this would be like somebody raising one of the biggest contemporary arguments against faith. And I love how Philip responded. He didn't try and defend. He didn't try and do anything profound. You know what he did? He just quoted Jesus. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip said, come and see. (laughs) I love this. He barely even knew Jesus. And yet Jesus was already shaping him. See, the, the day prior, Andrew sees Jesus and says, hey, where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and see. So suddenly when Philip is confronted with a question that he can't answer, he just decides to quote Jesus and let Jesus be Jesus. And he says, come and see. Listen, we, we don't have to prop up our faith. If this isn't real, then yes, prop it up. Be defensive. You know, be intense. <laughs> Bowl people over. If this is real, it's real. If Jesus is real, Jesus needs to speak for himself. I love Charles Spurgeon. He was called the Prince of Preachers in England in the late 1800s. And he said, listen, the word of God is like a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. You just have to turn it loose. It will defend itself. The Holy Spirit will be the Holy Spirit. We do need to be smart. We can't say a squirrel is Jesus when it's really a squirrel. We have to be thinking people. We have to be intelligent. We have to have answers. We have to be smart. But at the end of the day, Jesus is Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. God is God, and God will be God. So when the gap is opening in the human heart, um, and Ben, you can bring your worship team back up. Sometimes all we need to do is be a good hostess. All we need to do is be a good host and suggest an introduction. Come and see. In fact, there's a little simple six-word prayer. If your God invade my world, if you're really there, here I am. If you're not there, it doesn't matter. But if you're there, here I am. If you, if you said that you came to make yourself known, I want to know you. I want to know what's behind the gaps. I want you to fill my life and flood my life. And so we're standing at a time in human history when the gaps in humanity are broadening at a rapid pace, it's, it, it's really mind-boggling. Um, the, the, the increase in knowledge is so drastic. Back in the early 1900s, knowledge was increasing like every 50 years. Do you know knowledge is increasing every 18 months? How do you get your head around that? We know more than ever, and yet we're just as fractured As ever, if not more so. And I think the perfect way to end this particular morning, when there's trauma in Europe, there's trauma in the Middle East, and there's trauma in some of our own souls, is to spend just a couple more minutes and to sing that song, What a Beautiful Name It Is, The Name of Jesus. Would you stand with me? Let's end and let's just go back to worship and let's end fixating on the one who is the God behind the gaps in our planet in our humanity, and in our own hearts.